Welcome to the Soulful CXO, where we discuss leadership principles, core values, health, wellness, and resiliency. I'm Dr. Rebecca Wynn, the founder and the host of the show. Do you have a topic or guest you would like to be featured on the show? Would you like to be a sponsor? Please reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at Rebecca at SoulfulCXO.com. Please go to our partner, Cybersecurity Tribe, for weekly show recaps and other resources. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Soulful CXO. I am your host, Dr. Rebecca Wynn. We are pleased to have with us today, Doreen Ritas. Doreen is a senior executive with over 20 years experience in business strategy, sales, editorial oversight, and marketing leadership in B2B tech space. She has extensive experience creating strong brand identities and identifying opportunities for growth in both new and established markets. As the owner and co-founder of Cybersecurity Tribe, her focus is on bridging the gap for cybersecurity professionals by building a community and delivering content that addresses current challenges. Prior roles include publisher of Mobile Enterprise Magazine, where she led their transition to digital Managing Director for Editorial, excuse me, Managing Director for Enterprise Mobility Exchange, where we first met, including launching the live events in mobile, cloud, cybersecurity space, and most notably, founding Cybersecurity Hub. And that's just a few of her many, many achievements. Doreen, it's great to see you again. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm really glad to be here. Doreen, your background is a lot more vast than that. You have background doing stuff in marketing and HR and working with people like myself. But then I don't believe your college degree had nothing to do with any of the stuff you're doing today. So how did this journey even start and how did you get to doing the work that you're doing today? Kind of fell into my lap, right? So I started my my career in the technology space through media and sales. And then I got really passionate about wanting to do other areas. I I enjoyed speaking with the audience so much. When I say the audience, the people that we were selling to the customers in a different way. And so um, eventually that role moved into being a publisher of mobile enterprise, which again, sort of fell into my lap. And I got ingrained in the industry and never looked back. And then at some point, I realized that mobile was going to really be baked into everything that was being done. There was no longer talking about adding in the mobile component of it. And so looking at sort of career security, if you will, I looked at where the next place to go was. And that led me into digital transformation and then eventually cybersecurity, which I now consider home for myself. When you do a lot of your writing, you write from an expertise that people would not expect from you to have in a background in technology. Where do you get your technology back from? Because you don't have a cybersecurity degree. So on paper, I would tell you every time I read your stuff, I'm like, whoa, she really has deep knowledge in a lot of areas. Where does that come from? I might disagree with you a little bit. I don't consider myself to have deep knowledge, although I'm flattered that you think so. I I really get it from folks like yourself, right? So from having conversations every day with practitioners, I learn so much. And obviously, I read a lot. So a mixture of the reading, the speaking to you all, and even quite honestly, speaking with vendors, right? 
And I've, I've found a lot of value recently in speaking with startup vendors who are on the cusp of something new. So that's really where that knowledge comes from. But I always say I, I know this much and I look to you and, and your peers to give me a lot more insight. We definitely know a lot more than, than you think you know, but it, it's it's Thank nice you. to remind people the score of hot knocks to be able to go ahead and meet people face to face, meet them on Zoom or different places like that. And being an open learner is really critical. You have mentioned twice now, at least when we're speaking here, about things falling in your lap or being able to communicate with people. What really got you starting that fast? Because I tell you, for most people, it's not normal just to go ahead and walk up people having innate conversations and have things fall in their lap. You do that because of networking. So what is your golden nuggets and what have you learned along those lines? So what's really interesting is people in my business life consider me an ex- consider me to be an extrovert, right? People in my personal life consider me to be an introvert. I tend to not socialize a lot outside of work. So I think I get my fix, if you will, of people through my career. And I truly enjoy, and I think a piece of it is the knowledge that I gain, right? There's nothing more for me. One of the things that I really enjoy is speaking to people who are intelligent and can teach me things every single day. And then from a leadership standpoint, I enjoy helping people. So when I manage salespeople, one of the things I used to say, there was nothing that brought me more joy than watching someone on my team have a win, truly. Like that, that was, you know, when I went to bed at night, it was like, if I knew that my team felt good about themselves, I felt good. So there's a, a portion of the, the people piece, obviously, and then the networking to your point. And I've also been fortunate to meet people who genuinely want to help me and others. And, and I think that's an important part in business as well. When I meet someone, it's not just how you are in business, but how you are as a person that really matters. Can you speak a little bit more? What I mean to the audience out there is that the human aspect, that's the one thing you can't leave. And, and one of the things that you pride yourself in is treating people with respect to the best of your ability at all points in time. Why is that such a strong core value of yours? Um, something that I believe wholeheartedly and something I teach my children as well is when I go to bed at night and when they go to bed at night, they need to lay their head on that pillow and feel good about who they were as a person that day. And that's so important to me. You know, money's nice. Wins are important. Success is great. But at the end of the day, that's not what drives me. What drives me is knowing that I did right by other people. That That is a portion of what led me, Rebecca, to creating, along with my co-founder, the cybersecurity tribe. Because while where I was previously in, in my career in media was wonderful, and they serve a very good purpose, what I lacked was really focusing on the audience's needs. So oftentimes, you're pushing out info, you're doing things for the vendor community, which is great, right? You have to do that. There's a place for that. But I didn't feel like I was serving our audience. And so that's what we wanted to do when we created this was talk to people like yourself and your peers and say, what do you need? Right? What's going to help you in your career? So that comes down to who I am as a person and how I conduct myself in business as well. One of the things I also noticed pretty consistent on knowing you over the years is you break things into, I call them buckets, 
you might want to call them something else, where you're looking at people, you look at processes, you look at technology, you're looking at emerging tech. And each one of those have been way different as, as we've gone in from 2020 to 2023. How does that change when you look at content management and you're looking at how people are trying to get information to them as quickly as possible, making their decisions? How do you see that that's changed over the last several years? So there has been a big shift. And a lot of, quite honestly, the shift for us came from insights from our advisory board, who is a group of CISOs, including yourself, of course. And when we were talking, what we had always really focused on in the past was that technology component. And we we lacked the insight and the awareness, if you will, of how important the process and people played into the overall role. And again, that's not just for CISOs, right? That's in everything, whatever field you're in. It is about the people, the process, and the technology. And they are all interlocked in some way. So I actually, again, enjoy sort of the shift that I've gone through and how we're presenting content to encompass all of those areas. In a conversation yesterday with our advisory board, when asked what their their main focus was right now, we immediately, we being myself and my co-founder, think technology, and it was about churn. So there's that people piece, and the process plays into that as well. I agree with you. The whole fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the market right now, going back to work, not going back to work, um, are you going to be laid off, not laid off, and are you really still doing the career that you really enjoy in your heart and in your soul and your authentic self is really big on the market right now. You talk about your advisory board and you talk about your content. One of the things right now is we're finding people are being content rich and I would say maybe depth shallow. How do you go about determining what should be published, what shouldn't be published, and what should be even carried on your site or discussed out there? What, what's you and your peers talking about? So there's two pieces when you have a media site. There's obviously serving the audience and then there's SEO, which is important as well. And you have to balance making sure that you have strong SEO, but at the same time, capturing the right audience. Not all audiences is created equal. And so you can generate a really high audience from strong SEO, but it might not be the people that matter to you. So for us, what we focus on is twofold. The news obviously is important in cybersecurity. That's great for SEO, but I also realize we're not in the news race. If you want to read about the latest breach, you can go in a million places. So, but we still do have that because it's an important part. We see ourselves as one stop, if you will, for the cybersecurity community. The other piece that was really understanding what our advisory board, who represents the cybersecurity professionals across the world, what they are focusing on. So when we looked at our editorial calendar for 2023, it was where are your prime focus areas? And my co-founder and I are less focused on just getting content out every day. That's not that important. That's sort of an old way of thinking, making sure you have a new piece of content every day and focused on, to your point, the depth of that content. And sometimes it may be very, very long, but it gives the answers that are needed to our audience or at least gets them thinking about how they can create solutions for whatever it is we're addressing. To my knowledge, you've very successfully have started at least two companies up that deal with content management, that deal with events, things along those lines. 
What words of wisdom can you give other startup founders out there, the trials and tribulations? Because a lot of times people think, oh, I'll just start something and you know I'll be successful next week. And there's no overnight successes unless you're extremely fortunate. Yeah. When I started Cybersecurity Hub, it was not my own company. So that's important to note. I worked for a larger organization and I had their support as I founded it for them. It still resides. That's theirs. And then Cybersecurity Tribe is obviously mine and my co-founders. Before we launched it, we did a lot of investigative work with folks that we believed would be our community and also people who would, would spend money with us, our customers, to have an understanding of what the needs were. And sometimes that meant revamping our thought process drastically. And that did happen twice, right? As an example, how we were going to set up the navigation and tagging in the site, we had one thing in mind. And when we spoke to a lot of folks out in the field who would be consuming that content, we got very different directions. And so I think being open, hearing the feedback, the good and the bad, being very agile is critical as well. So you have to be able to change the path that you had thought you were going to go in, in order to serve the needs of your customer, whoever that is. You deal a lot with vendors. What do you see the biggest challenges with vendors are? I know for myself, it's like you don't know anything about me and you're not listening to what my needs are. But what do you see out there? So I feel like I preach this every day. It's in some of my publishing on LinkedIn. It's in a video I have on our site. You've heard me say this a million times. And I learned this from, from the CISO community. It's not my own knowledge. Is that vendors, not all vendors, right? So definitely do not want to, to tarnish them at all. But a lot of times salespeople, because of their quotas and because of the demands on them, understandably, they're going in for a sale and so they're selling. But for the audience, they don't want to be sold to. So the best thing that vendors can do and where I think we serve the needs of both our community and the vendor community is that we bring subject matter experts from the vendors into the conversations with the CISO so that when that CISO has a need, that vendor is a natural selection for them as a conversation point because they know that they have more than just selling them. They have insight. They understand their challenges. They're able to have a conversation with that CISO about how they're going to serve their needs beyond just, hey, look at this technology we offer. Yeah, that makes sense. It's about the relationship first and the product second because I can always move off a product right. to a better relationship. But if you sell me a product, you know, it's a dime a dozen anymore, for lack of a better term. And that's where I, I see it's missing. And that's one thing that you also try to, in the, the site itself, but you've done that in all your writings, you try to personalize how can I affect you more than just thinking from a business perspective. Yeah, that's a big piece of it. And I think, as you know, CISOs and, and other professionals are getting hammered through LinkedIn and other channels. They can't get to it all. And so they just turn it off, right? They're no longer paying attention. And so there may be something important coming in it, but they've been blasted so much. They're just turning it off and they can, they, they have to almost become siloed in their approach to addressing things as a result of that. So I really encourage vendors to look at how they're conversing with their prospects and understanding what it is they're challenged with. And, and don't walk away because they don't need your solution. Continue to have a relationship. Continue to learn from them so that 
you may end up at another company down the line where that that prospect actually does need what you have. And because you you understand them and you've built that relationship with them, there's a higher chance that you'll get in the door there. What is your golden wisdom and how to build successful relationships? Because you do well, that very is, well. This comes back to what you say all the time, which is just be authentic. I think for me, that, that's it. I am who I am. I make a lot of mistakes in life, and but I'm always trying to do the right thing for people. And if you do that, it comes across, and ultimately that will lead to better relationships. You're very successful in having long-term relationships. I think that's the other important thing is thinking, you know, not always solely in the relationship of this second and then getting back to tying into sales. A lot of times it's that sell that moment and not the longevity. And one of the things that I, I've known over the years, I've, I've been gravitating to a lot of great people because you and I heart and soul liked each other the very first time we met each other. And then every time we introduce each other to someone else, they're people who are heart and soul people as well. Hence the name of the show, Soulful CXO, which I think comes across a lot, not only what you're trying to do with Cybersecurity Tribe, but what you do in your life. And so people out there haven't checked it out, they should check that out because I'm really mean that honestly, that we're all coming from a heart and soul perspective on that. We, we've, we, you're welcome. You're doing a great job. So one of the things that we also talk about is we talk about salespeople. And I know that we talk a lot from a technology perspective and marketing, excuse me, from a technology perspective about burnout, but we don't always address sales, marketing, content management, and the burnout that they're feeling and the frustrations that they're they're feeling right now. Added on to that, chat, GPT, open AI, things along those lines. And a lot of people thinking that editors and people along those lines aren't going to be needed anymore because people are going to rely on these technologies to try and drive content. I write for Forbes. One of the things that we do is we have to be able to sign off everything else that we are not violating anything. We're not using any of these open platforms and things like that to drive our content. You know, what do, what do you see and what do you hear from, from your peers along those lines on dealing with that fear, uncertainty, doubt, and deal with, with the, the problematic content possible creation issues? I think we're on a slippery slope right now. So, again, not to diminish the benefits of generative AI, chat, GPT, they're very strong. There are a lot of places where they offer a lot of value to organizations, but that slippery slope is still there. Do when we talk about college essays, if someone's using that, it really is going to change the folks that that are getting accepted to universities. And it also can hurt those who are doing things authentically, of course. As it relates to content, over time, I want to believe that it will be fairly obvious when someone has written something personally, because you do, while chat GPT and other generative AI can write really good content, honestly, it does miss that personal component to it. And opinions are important and reflection on things that you've experienced or people that you've met, that will never be a part of it. So while I understand the uncertainty for, to your point, editors and writers, I think if they carve out a way for them to approach their content with that personal component and ride on that, they have a little more hope. And we've watched over the years a multitude of different technologies come in that have scared 
been scary, right? And we always get the other side. We find a way to bring that technology into our everyday in a way that is beneficial. And some of the fears that we had become less substantiated. I don't know if everyone will agree with me on that, but but that's how I'm viewing it, at least for now. And that may change. I know even personally, because I've done a lot of writing for you, if there's even something I'm referring to in this AI framework, you'll go back and go, Rebecca, where where's the link back to that? Even if, it, if, if we can just refer to that. So you try to be very respectful on making sure that people very quickly from your articles can go ahead and link back to that material and that we're doing that in, a, in an authentic, honest way to make sure that to the best of our ability, we're not accidentally going ahead and not giving somebody credit or accidentally plagiarizing somebody. And I'll just say, I had two articles this past week where I reached out by big name companies where someone actually tried to pass my work office stores by chat. Um, GPT, just tell our audience out there, don't do that. Obviously, they have some legal issues to deal with those companies, not with me personally, but with those companies. Right. So, so yeah. it's out there. Be careful. Yeah. One of the things that I want to make sure that we do go ahead and touch about is resiliency. You and I talk privately about that and how important that is. And with family coming through 2020 and and how health and wellness play such a big part of your life and making sure that you can actually do the work that you do. So what do you do on a, on a daily, weekly basis to go ahead and try to keep that balance? I'm pausing because I'm I, I'm not great with balance, candidly. And I, I don't, it's not in my DNA. So I, I don't walk around complaining about the hours I put in because for me personally, I love what I do and I get excited by it. That said, my children can su- sometimes suffer from that. So I have made a really focused effort to put down my phone. I've been saying this, by the way, for more years than I care care to admit, probably two full decades of I'm going to put my phone down at these hours. And I never really did it. But I read a book related to one of my children. And I decided to do that. And I can see the difference in them and myself. So that actually is healthy for me as much as it is for them, because it's giving me a break from what I do day in and day out. But I do think it's important for everybody to take a moment, whether that's take a walk in the middle of the day, whether it is run in the morning, whatever is good for them. The other thing is today, I'm actually in an office that I have signed up to use like a co-work space because I needed to get out of my house. I've been in my house all the time and I don't go outside much because I'm so focused on work. So this gave me a reason to you know, get a little dressed up, come into this workspace, there's other people around, grab a cup of coffee, just a different environment. So for me, to your point, that that probably is the best balance that I've brought into my life, as well as putting the phone down a bit. We are people who can like, it's midnight or 3am in the morning, and we can go ahead and text each other back forth and we're wide awake. You and I have talked about putting certain time away where you're like, this is blocked up definitely for my child, I'm watching their game you know, or doing things along those lines. And part of that is words of wisdom that we've learned from Teresa Payton, Terry Grafestein, Jim Roth, and people like that, who've also discussed it on our show. And you've also done articles on the website on how they learn that the hard way as well, too. You know, one of the things I can share with you, if I could, and this reflects back to you, Rebecca, not about me, is every single podcast that I've listened to of yours, I've learned something. Every single one. Todd Fitzgerald, who I just listened to the other day and just listening to him on, and both of you were talking about 
being uncomfortable when you're a leader because folks that work for you may know more in certain areas than you, but it's important. That's just one example, but I've learned so much from every single one of them, both on a balance and personal resilience, as well as leadership and how to view things in corporate world. So congratulations to you for everything you're doing with this. Thank you. I appreciate it. Like you, I try and be authentic to speak from my heart and keep paying it forward and, and good things will happen in the long run. It's always if that's one person out there can touch and change their lives to the better, that's a generational ripple effect. And that's the way I, I view the world. Our time is starting to run short, but I want to make sure that people understand on how they can go ahead and get a hold of, of you personally, if they would like you to speak or do something along those lines, and definitely how to go ahead and get active as an individual and as a corporate on cyber security track. Sure. Thank you. So honestly, the best way to get in touch with me is LinkedIn, because I do go through every single message in LinkedIn. So that's one way. You can email me, but it's so long that I tend to just not get my email address out in a podcast, but it's dredis at cybersecuritytribe.com. And then in terms of the website, so it's cybersecuritytribe.com. They can sign up to subscribe to the newsletter. And one of the things that we're doing here is we don't email you for anything other than what you have signed up for. And it's on the terms that you request. So if you want the newsletter weekly, that's what you're going to get. If you only want it once a month in a digest form, that's what you're going to get. So we try not to spam the audience. Again, it's about serving our community. Yeah, privacy by design, opt in. Don't worry about having to opt out, which I would love everybody to go to. (laughs) Yeah. Doreen, it's always a pleasure working with you. You are a soulful CXO. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. And so are you. 